Can you do a bit of sound of strenuous activity? We're both climbing, mate. Oh, what, at the beginning? Yeah. All right. All right. Oh. 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 Oh, that's close. Oh. Oh, it's crisp up here, isn't it? Nothing like a fresh breath of the wild to make you feel alive. We made it. Mount Olympus. Mount Olympus. The last time I heard those words was transferring photos from my old digital camera, Circa 07, long before sinking to the cloud, you know. Speaking of sinking in clouds, how are we meant to synchronise our surroundings up here with this accumulation of nimbus blocking the view? I uh, see what you did there. But we didn't come up here to populate the mini-map. We didn't. But it's a Ubisoft game. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, hit Y. You done? Oh, yeah. Look at that view. So many icons. Good draw distance. Impressive landscape for sure. What landscape? Right, now tuck up against that craggy outcrop, get comfortable, and I'll begin. There once was a mortal. Ooh, story or joke? Make it a joke. It's been ages since I heard a good joke. It's a story. Ah. There was once... Sure it's not an ode? No. An epic? Nope. A myth? There's no need to beat us around the head with your degree every episode, mate. Stop sticking your oar in. Is it a myth, though? Yeah, it's a myth. I knew it. But it feels more like a Greek tragedy at this point. Can I tell you a joke instead, then? Tell you, I'm trying to do the intro. Ah, sorry, sorry. There once was... Knock, knock. For the love of God, Teo. Humor me. Knock. Who's there? Athena. Athena who? Athena, listen to you tell a story before the pod starts. is going to put all our listeners off. Oh, that is bad. Did you come up with that yourself? I'm serious. You haven't got the kooky charisma of Prometheus. You know why? Let me guess, because I'm not Prometheus, I'm Ben. Exactly. Didn't need a prophecy to figure out that one. Which of the gods aren't you? You're kind of stealing my thunder here, but given the fire thing, I'll let it slide. I'm not Zeus, I'm Teo, and this is... Pixel Vision. So, what makes this a novel experience, Teo? What do you mean? Fuck oh, off! Oh, I see. What do I mean? Literally, this is the first time since the beginning of the pod, all those many 20 odd, 27, 28 X number of episodes ago, that we've finally been in person in the same room, no longer strangers abroad, but not strangers in person. Yeah, true, true. I'm finding your eye contact a lot more intense than I do on Zoom. When you're staring at someone on Zoom, it's like you're not really making eye contact with them. There's no eye contact awkwardness. Why is that? I guess because you don't know exactly if they're making eye contact or not. But yeah, here it's like I've got your gaze upon me from the other side. Yeah, of the I mean, table. to be honest with you, mate, when I'm on a Zoom call, I'm mostly just spending the time looking at myself. Okay. <laughs> Well, that way, I don't get thrown off by your funny looks. Was Narcissus a Greek character? I think so. Nice. Well, yeah, when you said a novel experience, I thought you were talking about the game. No, we haven't got to the game. This is still post-intro banter. Okay. Yeah. On this note, though, a bit of housekeeping. Familiar feature by now. Mm Mm-hmm. But a new little feature this week. Got a jingle for a housekeeping. And 
We got a jingle for the jingle for the housekeeping. <laughs> jingle me this, jingle me that, a jingle and a jangle and a rat tata Sound effect. Ooh. Sound effect. Ah. Play it on the piano or on the guitar. Housekeeping. Did have a bit of a grisly experience with old Nvidia. Have you heard of Nvidia? They're interesting service. No, are. actually, tell us about that service a little bit more. So, GeForce Now. I know I've been around the houses with it a little bit. It was ups, it was downs, it was ups. And I was all, you know, I got my new thing, I was using it. Mm. Found out it doesn't run at top graphics, which is a bit annoying, because you'd think, like, fucking GeForce, literally known for their graphics, but doesn't run at that. But, you know, it was a very smooth and buttery experience. But then I had the old disconnect. When I re-logged, I'd lost more than three hours of gameplay, which is not something you want in a game like Phoenix Immortals Rising, mm. which we're just about to talk about. You hadn't clocked already. And yeah, I was really pissed off. So I don't know what to advise you listeners now. Mm. Should you NVIDIA GeForce Now it or should you not NVIDIA GeForce Now it? Yeah, I think what I've said to you before is I feel like if that is a known bug, it must be something they're going to fix. If the only risk is that at the moment you might lose game time, hopefully at some point soon, that will no longer be an issue. Well, one good thing that I did notice about this game Mm. and i'm not sure if it was there at the beginning or if they introduced it after i'd already been playing a while it's an online save feature which is when you save from the menu i don't know if you noticed this but when you save from the menu you can choose to save online rather than just save didn't notice so basically you choose to save online and it pushes it to the cloud so at that point you know that the game you've just saved is stored online hmm. and there were a couple of times when i did that and it said this save is already online blah 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 which is what i would expect every hmm. time i fucking save but there are at least a couple of instances as well when i went to save and it didn't say this save was online and that was kind of like ah interesting so if i hadn't have done this i might have lost my progress hmm. so just a warning to all you people out there considering using the service it still has problems you need to be conscious of them so I'm no longer recommending, nor am I not recommending GeForce Now. Mm, balance has been restored. <laughs> Hopefully this is the last we'll all hear about it, because I, for one, do not want our housekeeping section to Every purely be dedicated to the service known as NVIDIA GeForce Now. I also played it on GeForce Now, didn't encounter any problems, but getting out of the way early, I did play the game for about half as long as Ben. Putting my mark in the ground early on before you get at me about it. All right. So clearly we are talking about the game known as Immortals Phoenix Rising. Mm -hmm. A game that I think we mentioned at the end of last episode ought really to have a colon, but doesn't. So Immortals Phoenix Rising, all one clause phrase, hasn't won me over as a title still. What do you think? For a start, I always either abbreviate it to Immortals or Phoenix, and mostly just Phoenix. But neither one of those abbreviations really seems to stick. Neither one is like a, a good nickname for the game. Both just fall a bit flat. You know, like I'm not normally one for normative determination, determinism, one or the other. But there's something about this name which I think might have affected the popularity of this game. Like it's just such a forgettable name. Yeah. I totally agree with you, actually. Maybe they struggled with, like, marketing on it or something. I don't know. I agree with you. I think the name is flat. It's totally unenticing. It doesn't tell you anything about the game. Even just Phoenix Rising mm. would have been a better name than Immortals Phoenix Rising. Or just Immortals. Yeah. It sounds generic. 
it looks fairly generic, although I do actually quite like the graphical style of the game. And it's by Ubisoft, which immediately makes you think, oh, well, it's a Ubisoft game. It's not even one of their flagship games, so how much can I really expect? This is one that they've just chucked out for a bit of extra dollar. Presumably not much cost to themselves and not much creative inspiration either which is really unfair i think to the game yeah potentially unfair but also not that far from the truth because apparently it was a game that was unplanned there was a bug in assassin's creed odyssey and it made some of the monsters like huge or either it made them huge or it made them have one eye i'm not really sure which one it is but anyway they were amused by it and thought they could turn it into something and then this game came out of that bug at least that's the official story to me that sounds like a stretch like to go from oh this is a funny bug to like let's invest tens of millions of dollars <laughs> into producing this game but the outcome i think is quite winning yeah yeah me too i guess if we're going to lay out a bit of an opinion before we get into the analysis i really enjoyed it and would happily have completed it left to my own devices well you were left to your own devices every we've, time we've talked about this before Tao. there's no one pulling the strings here you've had plenty of fucking time anyway i did complete it. it took me about 45 hours and i did do a lot of side quests and i mean we'll get into it a little bit more but maybe we should kick off as per usual, with your famous Teo monologue. Teo monologue. In Live, in-person in person. monologue. <laughs> I feel more pressure than usual, but I'll do my best. Uh, so yeah, we're playing Immortals Phoenix Rising, and it's a third-person open-world RPG light by Ubisoft, set in at ancient Greek times. And so you start the game, you build your character, make them look like whatever you like, And then your ships crash on this land filled with gods and mythical creatures. And there is a devil, Typhon, who has turned all your compatriots to stone and imprisoned all the gods. And you're set off on an adventure to free the gods and defeat Typhon, which sounds really generic. But we'll get into why it elevates itself above the crowd a little bit, I guess now there's a little bit more to it than that isn't there because the game starts with prometheus strapped to the side of the mountain Mm. where he's been kept by zeus um so that he can have his liver eaten out again and again and again after prometheus obviously stole the fire from wherever he stole it and gave it to humans that was zeus's punishment for prometheus to like strap him to Mm. the side of the mountain and so the whole thing begins with prometheus talking to zeus And he's like, I'm going to tell you this story, which is what I was trying to do with Teo in the intro. And during the course of the story, you learn about Phoenix. So the whole game has a narration from both Prometheus and Zeus, who are on the top of this mountain. So when he says at the beginning, yeah, so there's a character, Phoenix, and her ship crashes, Mm. then that's when you start to embody Phoenix and you sort of take on her role and do the begin the action adventure. Washed up on an unknown shore. Phoenix awoke. One of the things I think which does elevate the game is the dialogue between Prometheus and Zeus throughout because it's just really well written. It's brilliant. And I was listening to it in Japanese. What? <laughs> so I was listening to the audio in Japanese and obviously reading the subtitles in English and I was laughing out loud constantly at the subtitles because my Japanese isn't that good. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the Japanese sounded pretty funky as well. Yeah, it, it was. I listened to a little bit with a fluent a Japanese speaker and they said that it was yeah funny Japanese well I feel like you lost out there actually mm. because the personification of those roles by whoever the voice actors are is just amazing like mm. the game got off on the right foot mm. just by virtue of their characters mm. and their voices and how they embody those roles and as you say it isn't 
trite. So the humor is genuinely sharp, mm. genuinely funny. It's really quick witted back and forth banter with a lot of puns, a lot of references, a lot of like puns might sound off putting, but they're smart. You know, mm. it's not lowest common denominator humor like you might get in Borderlands or something like that. It's genuinely, you could be watching this unfold in a comedy on TV. And there were a lot of times where, like you, I was laughing out loud. Two of the targets seemed easy enough to hit, but the third would require the focus of a master archer. Forget it! Kids today play seashells, they skip rocks, stare at the wall, you know, they're hyperactive. This from the god who thinks a weak constitutes a long-term relationship straight away when he says i can't remember which character they're introducing but they introduce a character and zeus is like didn't i turn her into a lion and then prometheus is like you turned a lot of people into a lot of things (laughs) and zeus is like i need to stop drinking and then there's a bit much later when zeus says he's like having this realization because the whole story from Prometheus's angle is that it's like a sort of moral for Zeus to realize that he's wronged all these other gods mm. who most of whom are his kids or like siblings or whatever and so the the moral is that through this tale Zeus learns actually he could be a better god than he's been and mm. like overcome his inadequacies and there's this moment towards the end of the game where he's like ah oh, I see now I didn't care about anyone but myself and Prometheus is like, and she paid the price. And Zeus is like, we're talking about me right now. <laughs> it's just really nice. Yeah. Like, even in the moment of self-reflection where he's like recognizing his inadequacies, he plays straight into that inadequacy. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, it's quite like bawdy humor at times, but quite well positioned. So the quote that I wrote down, you meet Hermes quite early on. He's the main helper and the only god that's managed to stay safe from Typhon. So he still has all his powers. And uh, I think maybe towards the beginning where you and him and Aphrodite are together, Hermes said something like, I really love myself or something. And she says, clearly you've been loving yourself too much. You really should disinfect that toga. I thought was just really funny like it's just really quick and like another one in the similar vein as that is um, a moment when basically uh, one of the mechanics of the game is you go into these vaults which we'll come on Mm. to and they're kind of mini dungeons and you solve them anyway they also are where you find the gods essences because a big driver behind the game is that the gods have been transformed into sort of belittled versions of themselves and so you set off through Mm. these vaults to find their essence to restore their essence to them and recreate their greatness there's a moment near the beginning where phoenix sets off to open aphrodite's vault (laughs) and prometheus says and phoenix set off to open aphrodite's vault and zeus is like uh and prometheus goes what and then zeus just goes nah it's too easy forget it forget it just like really nice like it's almost like you think oh they're gonna play a really easy card Mm. and then they acknowledge that they're not gonna do that and in and of itself that's funny Mm. and just the language of that innuendo is it's not too like you can have innuendo and then you can just have like funny innuendo like the idea of disinfecting a toga is just a funny image having the setup of opening a vault and then that innuendo is just funny as well because it's so ridiculous one of the things i would say about this and it plays into this angle about the humor and the dialogue is that actually given its timing 
which is not that long after Hades was released, mm. and given the Greek setting and the voices of the Greek gods and all this kind of stuff, I felt there was so much influence taken from that game, from Hades. Whatever you did to my blasted seat is of no consequence to me. From my vantage point, I can't even see it. A foolish prank and waste of valuable resources, nothing more. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, they must have just been in development the whole time. Because I'd imagine a game like this actually maybe takes longer to develop, although Ubisoft probably better resourced. Mm, They're so overlapping in terms of their tone and this tongue-in-cheek, fast quipping and like very playful. And the other game it obviously draws massive influences from is Breath of the Wild. Zelda's mm. Breath of the Wild. So what do you think about that? And do you think that's had any bearing on the way people have responded to this game as well? Well, so the same as you, basically my only impression of this game from the media has been less journalists writing about it and more from players in comments threads, essentially saying, this game's really underrated, you should definitely play it. This is the game that I've been enjoying the most recently. You know, like on those comments threads where... I don't know if you've ever read on RPS, like, what are we playing this weekend? And underneath you get like 150 comments of people just saying, oh yeah, I'm playing this this weekend. It would come up all the time in those sorts of comment threads, but I wasn't seeing it talked about like officially anywhere. So I didn't see it get any hate for it, but like clearly influenced by it. The most obvious one is the fact you can climb any surface and any mountain in exactly the same way that you can in Breath of the Wild. And you have a little stamina meter, which goes down as you climb. So it makes the world really scalable um, and accessible, um, but adds a little bit of, well, it doesn't really add too much change. And the hand glider as well. So in Zelda, you've got a hand glider. In this, you've got wings, wings of Icarus. Yeah. yeah, which those wings don't let you fly, but they let you glide. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you can also get mounts, so you can tame mounts and have little horses and run across the land and all that kind of stuff. I would say it goes way beyond that, though. Even in terms of the nature of the quests, like the little vault dungeons you have, the oh, sound yeah. effects. Like True. the sound effects are so Zelda, I think. the whole way through even like when you open a chest mm-hmm. there's like a little animation that plays like it mm. or yeah there's all the collectibles so there's crystals that you collect and when you find them and collect them it makes those same sort of like tinkling sounds that you would get in a zelda game oh. to be honest it's like breath of the wild reskinned yeah and a lot more generous than a zelda game as well so for me that's what makes zelda better is that when i find something i find a secret or a little upgrade in Zelda, it feels really special. But in this classic Ubisoft style, there's so much abundance that nothing really feels special. Well, I spent about 10 hours just in the first area and seemed to level up my character so much that I could face any challenge from that point onwards. You'll probably tell me that there's harder challenges later on in the game. But initially, I felt that the combat was quite challenging, but then I quickly overleveled and... It was just about going from A to B and listening to the story, which was really fun. Yeah, I mean, please tell me you got further than the opening area. Yeah, no, I did three areas. Okay. And didn't quite release the third god. And this is where another area where you know it's an Ubisoft game that we referenced in the intro again is this idea that everything is kind of fog of war style on your map. You have to climb a statue of the god of that area. 
And then from the very top of that statue, you look out across and you synchronize with your environment and everything mm. comes into view. But it's not just, that's not the only way that you discover your environment. So it's also got this feature called Farsight. I can't remember whether this was also a similar to Breath of the Wild feature, but it's basically where you sort of scan your environment. It's like a zoom almost, and you look into the landscape and then you move your cursor around. And when it flashes, you've discovered something and you have to reveal it with the right trigger. And I don't know about that feature because what I ended up doing, and I imagine almost everyone does, is just going into Farsight and then just spamming right trigger while they just fling their thumbstick all over the spot and mm. it reveals like everything that's in that area and also you don't need to be looking directly at the thing so while it might be in your line of sight it might also not be so you might be looking at a mountain and you can literally just see the surface of the mountain but behind it you reveal fucking tons of stuff that there's no way you could have seen because there's a mountain in front of you yeah, I mean, completely. It's, it's a terrible feature and a boring exercise. What I did was just ignore it. I did it the first time and thought it was boring and then just thought, well... But then how did you populate your map with like icons of where to go? And well, when you get near enough to things anyway, you can just see them, right? By exploring the map, which is the same as Breath of the Wild, while exploring the map, you just find enough stuff. Yeah, but there are times when you specifically want to seek out... Well, yeah, occasionally when it's like a specific vault you want to see or something like that but generally like there's so much stuff around that i didn't feel like it was necessary and again like this is another thing which i preferred about zelda is the fact that i couldn't do that so zelda yeah you can look around zoom in a little bit i think but it's more like oh that looks interesting over there not quite sure what it is but i want to go and check it out whereas this the taxonomy of things that you can find are like really clear from the first couple of hours in the game there's chests there's crystals different kinds of crystals for upgrading your weapons there's zeus's lightning ambrosia for health upgrades and there's also coins of charon which you use coins of charon you get from little puzzles amber amber for upgrading your potion pot yeah yeah and there are like hundreds and hundreds of micro objectives as well so like mini bosses we already mentioned like taming of mounts and things like that there's such an abundance of this stuff that actually it's too much it's overwhelming yeah yeah it's after a while it feels like a grind but that's why i didn't want those icons on my map they were just too distracting i enjoyed the puzzles though some of them quite simple and some of them a little bit more tricky but nice environmental puzzles i mean they're all variations on like pushing rocks to different places or firing arrows through torches to set things on fire they're all variations on that but some of them were quite nice where i actually had to think like oh okay i've got to do it in this order or in this way and so that definitely makes a nice change of pace from the fighting or the combat in it which is fine but again like quite simplistic yeah i don't know it had enough variation to keep me involved even aside from the story yeah i think that's definitely true to begin with how many hours have you into it. like 22 hours i think i played in the end okay so yeah i would say around the sort of 20 to 30 hour mark maybe to 35 hours even is when you're feeling most engaged and you're like wow actually i love this game there's so much to do you feel like you've leveled up enough that the challenges are not insurmountable some of them are a lot easier it's just a super engaging and like happy place to be as well because even though you're being tormented by typhon and each area has like mm. one of the sort of um, wraiths embittered wraiths yeah. of one of the former gods as well so like achilles or hercules or whoever it is <laughs> heracles but, heracles yeah these guys kind of 
they hunt you. So Typhon like opens a vault and they come and they like find you. And that's a bit annoying. And especially to begin with at the beginning of the game, they're actually quite powerful and hard yeah. to defeat. But as soon as you reach a certain level, they're just an annoyance. Mm. And what I did is as soon as I entered that area, I'd immediately track down the vault where they're coming from, mm-hmm. fight the boss, and then that doesn't happen again while you're exploring. But past the 35 hour mark, I think, is where you feel like you've seen absolutely everything. Like, the game can't give you any further novelty. So, like, some of the puzzles... Tay mentioned, like, pushing rocks and stuff, which I think is a bit simplistic. But, like, there is, there is carrying rocks, and each rock can be broken down into a smaller version of the rock, if it's a boulder. There are also... You can clone yourself and, like, manoeuvre a version of yourself, which is a god power and use that as a weight as well. There's puzzles involving directing and redirecting the flow of air, mm. dodging or blocking lasers, which really fucking pissed yeah, me off because it was were. totally out of keeping with the everything else about the grammar of the game. Lasers. It's like, what? where do they come that into? That is it? a really good point. I didn't actually think about that. I just took the lasers for granted. But now that you pointed it out, why were there lasers? Freaking laser beams attached to their heads. And also, they're really brutal. Like, other mm. things in the game, they're a little bit punishing. They knock your health. Maybe you have to use potion to reinstore. Whereas a laser literally takes your entire health bar to zero or kills you if you're in it for, like, more than, like, half a second or something. Mm. And that, that is just too punishing in a lot of the puzzles. Later on in the game, you get an upgrade to one of your abilities. I think it's Ares Wrath or something like that, which is one where you get thrown forwards and do this like twirl and the upgrade makes you immune to lasers while you're doing that ability, which makes a lot of the puzzles a lot easier. But even so, essentially you reach that point in the game where you've done everything. Like another couple of puzzles we haven't mentioned are the constellation puzzles. So this is where you get marbles. I mean, you maneuver them in this sort of giant marble. Uh, yeah, but it I... looks like a solitaire board, doesn't it? Yeah, but the, I mean, come on. That's not a puzzle. I mean, it is technically Well, it's a series a of mini puzzles, I suppose. I mean, getting the balls is just moving, essentially another version of picking up and moving a rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, very basic mechanics built on other very basic mm. mechanics to make the whole thing a bit more complicated. Mm. And they get away with that to begin with. Like one of them is the alfresco puzzle where you've got these jigsaw pieces mm. and you think, oh yeah, this is fine. This is pretty straightforward. And then they just start locking one of the jigsaw pieces so you can't move that one until you've solved another mini puzzle, which, as you say, usually involves putting a rock on a weight or something. As soon as they start doing that, you're like, now you're just throwing obstacles in my path for the sake of it. Like, there's not really a purpose here. You start to feel like your time has been wasted rather than it's an enjoyable way to spend your time. But I think 35 hours or so of gameplay before you hit that point is pretty sweet it's a nice place to spend time it's just enjoyable to be in that game world it looks really pretty even though you're doing these simplistic puzzles most of them don't take so long that they become frustrating we haven't talked about the vaults yet which like you say are like breath of the wild where they're slightly more intricate puzzles with usually some sort of theme so you mentioned like directing the flow of air you might have to like generate a ball which is like not giant pinball machines but you know like there's those kind of puzzles where you hold it and you can like move a marble around inside the little labyrinth that you've got in front of you and some of those i think were quite innovative and just the right level of challenging actually more so than breath of the wild like one of my main critiques of breath of the wild is that the puzzles were too easy in those 
temples or whatever they were called. In but, some of them, but I actually think Breath of the Wild is one extreme or the other. Because in some of the other places, dungeons, temples, whatever, hmm. I went in and I was like, I literally don't have a fucking clue what's going on here. And I'm not sure if it's because I didn't have ability or whatever, but I remember there being quite a few times where I was like, actually, I'm just confused and I left the area again. Whereas hmm. that never happened in this. Yeah, true. And the game's explicit when you don't have an ability as well. It'll say, you need to come back later because you don't have an ability. Yeah, and, and and you've got them all within like 10 hours of the game, I would say. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. If you decide to spend your points on That's them. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. It depends on the order you unlock them. Yeah. But I had, I think, every upgrade but two. And so unless you like gain another set, I felt fully upgraded. No, but a lot of the god powers, when you unlock them, they're more like quality of life improvements. Mm. So, like, once you've got them, the puzzles become exponentially easier. Like, the immunity to lasers, in some of the puzzles later on, you're like, if you didn't have that, that, that would basically just be impossible. Mm. The one when you can, it lets you lift even the super heavy weights, basically ruins some puzzles. Because some of the puzzles, most of the puzzle is just to unlock the room where the heavy weight is. Whereas... If you can lift the weight, you can just stand nearby and lift it out of the room that it's trapped in. Mm. Like that kind of thing. And it just totally undermines the whole basis of the puzzle. Interesting. So those are like quality of life improvements. But you mentioned um, the wraiths as well. So like mostly the combat is a bit button mashy, would you say? Oh, brutally button mashy. And actually, I think they've missed a trick there because you can develop combos. You unlock those combos and buy them. But rather than it being like, oh, yeah, your combo sequence is sort of R, B, B, A right trigger and it does this thing it's just spam the same button every single combo sequence just adds an additional button press of the same button yeah trigger is like use your axe which builds up stun on enemies and right button is your sword which is quick but doesn't add to the stun meter yeah, so it ratchets up your combo meter mm, so it ratchets up your combo meter and when your combo meter gets higher you do more damage and like adds extra attacks in like you say i mean i experimented a bit with the combat system just for fun but I felt like I had an unbeatable system in the end with the armor that you get as well. So you, in chests, you pick up various different bits of armor. Sometimes you might just get an aesthetic like difference for your armor if you've already unlocked it. But yeah, like I chose armor, which like made my stun faster and also gave me health when I stunned an enemy. And I felt pretty invincible because every time I was stunning an enemy, I was like regenerating two bars of health. I am invincible! You think that at the beginning, but actually... Because I did a similar combo to begin Mm. with. Then I unlocked a couple of bits of armor where it said it boosted your combo meter above a certain point. So every on every hit, it boosts your combo meter by two instead of by one. Mm. And then you get another bit of armor that boosts it by three instead of by one. And when you realize... So actually, I think this is something the game didn't do a great job of explaining. But your combo meter improves your damage so much... And later on in the game, you get another bit of armor that basically introduces another damage tier. So, for instance, when you get your combo meter above 20, I think you do more damage. When it goes above 30, you get more damage. And then it becomes like 50. And then there's another one when you get your combo meter above 80, which to begin with was hardly ever happening to me. And I couldn't really understand why. And it's because I wasn't really using my sword much because it didn't seem to do much damage. But it ratchets up your combo. And once I'd realized I was wearing that every time I was doing a hit with my sword I was jumping up three on the combo meter you'd get to like above 80 in no time and your damage was brutal at that point Mm. and honestly at that point I felt like they needed to nerf that because it was so OP 
while I was playing, I was just like, I'm basically taking down whole bosses before they've even done me any damage. Yeah, same. That's what it felt like for me. So yeah, it's interesting, because like you say, they could have done more. Those wraiths, for instance, they all have unique attack patterns, some of which are quite interesting. Like, I loved Achilles. He sort of, like, jumps up, hops on his little feet, (laughs) and then, like, swipes at you really quickly. Uh, And initially, that's really challenging. But yeah, and you can parry as well, which I didn't mention, which is really satisfying when you execute it, but really that necessary, I didn't find... I basically just wanted it to be more challenging. I mean, the, the combat in Breath of the Wild wasn't super challenging, but it felt more satisfying than this. And obviously, I wouldn't necessarily want it to be like Dark Souls, but like, I kind of wanted it to ask more of me than it did. But having said all that, it's kind of by the by, because I was just playing the game for the story, which is why I'm sad that I didn't complete it, because... I felt like I'd seen all the, like, the mini challenges that there were to see, and I was just mainlining the story for the last like six or seven hours that I was playing. And I bet it. you didn't even unlock all four bosses, did you? No, nowhere near. Oh, sorry, all I, four gods. I mean. No, I was. Is it Daedalus? Who's the? Oh no, that's a side quest. There's Hephaestus. Hephaestus. I was on my way to. I think I was on the last stage of unlocking Hephaestus, who's a kind of cool character. I'd unlocked Ares and I'd unlocked Aphrodite as well. Aphrodite, Ares, Athena? Had you unlocked Athena? No, I hadn't got to her area. Okay. A child? I'm not a child! I'm Athena! Athena? Oh! Oh! The goddess of wisdom! The prophecy! A wise child convinced! That's making a lot more sense now! So yeah, basically each one of them has their area. Hephaestus is like a forge. And it, when I mentioned earlier, they get sort of into a belittled version of themselves. Hephaestus is trapped in an automaton mm. and he doesn't even realise that he was a former god. He's just kind of like quite dull, not quite a Bender character. Mm. Um, but like... <laughs> does look a bit like Bender. Yeah, actually, he aesthetically does. Lick my frozen metal ass! Ares is a bear. No, 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 you think Ares is a bear when you first meet him, but then the bear moves and you realise Ares is a chicken. And he's obviously meant to be the god of war, and so he's really embarrassed that he's this chicken, and he's kind of really depressed. And all he wants to do is impress Aphrodite. Yeah. Look at me. I can't hold a sword. One back on the battlefield, and I'm a laughing stock. Even my love, Aphrodite, rejected me the moment she saw me. But I got Aphrodite back to her old self again. I think you might have a shot with her. Oh, so a gorgeous goddess in love with a chicken? I'm sure that's illegal. Definitely not illegal. Who's the one I haven't mentioned? Well, Aphrodite gets turned into a tree. Oh, yeah. She's feeding all the forest animals. They were just really convincing stories. So Aphrodite is an interesting one. You meet her and she actually wants to stay a tree. Like you're trying to save her and turn her back into a god. But she's like, nah, I moved men to do horrible things in, in my life as a god. So let me stay as a tree. I'm doing much more good this way. And you're a bit like, oh, but I, don't know, I need your help to defeat Typhon kind of thing. And she ends up being happy once she's released. But I just thought it was quite an interesting little take. It's not like she's asking to be saved. One of the things I loved about that, the whole game is like a love letter to these Greek myths. Mm. And one of those elements is, for instance, with Aphrodite, and all the gods actually, is that the game's like embracing their flaws. So it's like, yeah, you were like totally awful and men did commit terrible things, but they also did like incredible heroic actions. They like fought wars because of their love for you and they like swam across oceans or do you know what I mean? Like it's this the power of that Aphrodite had and like maybe that was a bad thing in some ways, but in other ways 
it was positive for mankind or for history or for yeah. mortals. It or made the world magical, or certainly in the opinion of the character that you play, because she is genuinely in awe of all of the gods and these myths that she's now living through. You were acting according to your nature, Aphrodite. Which is exactly why I'm better off without my essence. My nature caused only pain. That's where you're wrong, Aphrodite. You can't have one side of the coin without the other. Your passion, your unpredictability, and I'll say it. Your jealousy, your vanity. Yes, they caused pain. But you know what else they did? <laughs> what? They created some of the greatest adventures, the greatest epics, the greatest stories the world will ever see. I'm a storyteller, I know. Sure, we would all be safer if we just stayed at home, but everything's more beautiful in color. The passion is worth the pain. One of the plot lines, and I didn't actually get to explore this much, is that... In a slick way, take this audio now and take this as a spoiler warning for what I just said. That's not going to work. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. As the main character, you're in the shadow of your brother a little bit, who's a much better warrior than you. You're just like the shield bearer for him. And the prophecy that you're given at the beginning, you think it's about you. But later on, you meet your brother and it's obviously like he thinks it's about him. So she's also in awe of her brother a little bit as well. Bit of spoiler alert there, I think. Oh, was well, it a spoiler, spoiler alert? I think so. The brother's meant to be turned to stone from the beginning. Uh, and your character's motivation to do anything really is to unfreeze your brother from the right, well, petrify him. You can, in a slick way, take this audio now and take this as a spoiler warning for what I just said. Why are you so small and angry? Athena's been shrunk into a tiny child. Oh, really? <laughs> Shrunken, yeah, into a tiny child. Um, so when you first meet her, you don't realise that she's Athena. But she knows she's meant to be this, like, great, wise strategist. Because obviously, like, Athena's wisdom is her strength, as it were. So she keeps giving you these instructions, but you're a bit unconvinced because she's a little kid. <laughs> and also because she's lost her wisdom, and that's her essence you need mm. to restore to her. You'd be angry too if Typhon shrank you, then sent a Hydra after you. I heard your footsteps and thought you were his snaky-faced jerk. So, yeah, they're those kind of transformations. And then at the end of the game, obviously, you kind of group them together and they realise that between them they've got the strengths that they can take down Typhon. But there are some twists along the way. And actually, I think narratively, which, as we've both said, is the great strength of the game, this is where it comes into its own. So this is kind of spoiler territory now um, for you as well, I guess. Yeah, good. I want to hear it, though. But what you realise is the whole game is built around this premise that Prometheus is telling the story, you're playing the character, mm -hmm. and there's no reason to suggest that what you're playing isn't true, isn't happening, because he's telling it and you're playing it, so it seems real. Yeah. But then you realise that he's a totally unreliable narrator. Cool. <laughs> and you also realise that Zeus is an entirely unreliable audience as well, on the top of this hill. So the game plays some really clever little tricks on you towards the end whereby you think a certain thing has been happening, but another thing has been happening in the background, and you think the whole way you've been told that Phoenix is immortal, and Phoenix isn't immortal. Phoenix is a hero, Zeus. A hero is what they call a mortal who dies. There's moments where the game references that in the narrative, that it kind of 
winks at, at the end as well. So, for instance, I'm not sure if you got there, but there's a moment where you get Hephaestus's like hammer from the forge, mm-hmm. and Zeus is like, "No mortal could wield that hammer; they would be struck dead by its weight and its power," and it's kind of glossed over. And the same when you first get Zeus's lightning. Zeus is like, no mortal could ever receive my lightning. They wouldn't be able to wield it. And it's like, well, you haven't met Phoenix before because she manages. And then you find out that the reason for that is because she's not mortal. (laughs) And actually the whole thing is that she's like there to get Zeus as well. So like the the whole time Prometheus has been talking, Phoenix has been like climbing up the mountain to get Zeus. Well, I thought, I didn't see that coming, but the draw distance in the game is so good. From the heights, you can see the entire map, and it's a pretty big map, and looks beautiful. But in the centre, where I presume the last boss battle would be, you can see a lightning bolt intermittently like crash into the peak of the mountain. So I kind of thought, there's got to be something going on with Zeus up there. So I was expecting to meet Zeus at the end of the game, but I definitely wouldn't have thought that that was the choice. Oh, you big time do meet Zeus. Like, he full on helps you out. But even with that, it's like the game Double Bluffs. You say even with that, you're like, oh, great. Actually, Prometheus is here. Phoenix has come to, like, threaten Zeus because the prophecy is actually that, like, it's only Zeus's own child who can kill him, who can defeat him. And you are, that is who Phoenix is. And so I guess the rising, actually, now I come to think about it in the title, is Phoenix climbing the mountain, like literally physically rising up the mountain. But anyway, she gets there and Prometheus is all smug, like, ah, yeah, I tricked you. You were listening to my story and the whole time, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it is time to complete the prophecy. Anyway, basically, your character ends up chatting with Zeus and then there's a big battle and you obviously fight Typhon and then everyone just forgets about Prometheus and he's still on the top of the mountain at the end like guys no it's just a really good twist like this whole time he's been telling this story to deceive you so that you'd be defeated or Zeus would be defeated and at the end it hasn't paid off and he's still stuck on the mountain hey can somebody help me anyone so wait, do you defeat Zeus or does Zeus help you to defeat Typhon and then you live happy ever after? Yeah, it's more that. It's right. basically you join the God Club and they all start having banter with you as well. Like, oh yeah, you're one of us kind of thing. And Zeus obviously realises through the story that Prometheus has told that there are things he could do better. But there's even then there's some great lines. Like there's a line when Zeus joins in, uh, meets up with them all again. And he says something like, Shut up, all of you! How am I supposed to apologize when I want to throw every last one of you off Olympus? And Hephaestus is like, again? again? <laughs> Basically, that's the culmination of the game. And then you've got a new game plus option. And you've got, you know, you, I, when they introduced that, I was like, seriously? Is my classic? Like, who's doing this again? Like, I hadn't even finished all the vaults and unlocked all the quests and that kind of stuff. Mm. I was thinking to do it all again. And I mean, the advantage, I suppose, is you've got all your powers from the beginning, but don't get it. I don't think that's an advantage because often the fun of these kinds of games is unraveling your skills and building up your strength so that you can overcome the obstacles, not being really powerful from the start. Mm. Weird. Well, that's the end of Phoenix. Perfectly passable storytelling. I won't lie, there were moments that dragged, but you really got me with that ending. Well, that sounds really charming. I think I'll probably go away and watch the cutscenes on YouTube, which is testament to how charming and good the dialogue is. I just keep playing it, man. Like, it's a really fun game. It's a really nice game. And if you're mainstreaming 
the sorry mainlining the quest is quick right yeah it'll be a lot quicker because yeah like like i said i spent a lot of time basically 100 percenting the first area which really set me up well to then go ahead and boss the areas afterwards but to 100 percent every area would take a long time completing aphrodite's quest took me like maybe 15 hours and then to complete Ares maybe took me like four-ish something like that because i was just focused on getting his essence and bringing him back to life yeah how much did you know about greek mythology and stuff before playing the game because i I, obviously you kind of get whenever you're doing any sort of reading Mm. of literature you would encounter greek mythology and i think you also pick it up through films and whatever Mm. else but only through osmosis is my knowledge so i haven't ever kind of set out to learn about it and i actually felt as an instructive tool and i'm assuming it was well researched and put together and genuinely informative and they weren't just making shit up i learned fucking loads about greek mythology playing this game like i would genuinely say if not that i would recommend in general giving a game to your kid to play for 50 hours but if you were gonna at least your kid was gonna learn a lot about greek mythology here and yeah i think they'd be extremely entertained while doing so i definitely learned like i didn't even know the names of a lot of the gods that get referenced let alone their backstories and the places and things and Mm. i do think that's quite a nice level of knowledge to have isn't it yeah able to draw on right so when rigby got his samples back from the laboratory he made a startling discovery what he believed to be igneous was in fact sedimentary Imagine his consternation when... (laughs) Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, and not just the gods, but like we said, Achilles, Heracles, Odysseus. You've got the heroes of Greek mythology as well as the gods in there. For sure. I'd definitely give it to my kids. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any kids, but if I did, I think I would let them play it. Even though we've alluded to some of the sort of innuendo and... and Yeah, come on, like Simpsons has that. language. I think most of the way that it's done wouldn't be picked up by young kids. And at a point where it is picked up, then it's fine. They already know it. Yeah, agreed. Safe for kids, everybody. Safe for kids. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed it. My only downside, and actually on the kid thing, is that, not to turn it into a banality, but like... I do think that at the point that the drudgery sets in, part of the reason for that is it feels like you're a little kid going to like the local playground and all those things that gave you joy. And it's like, oh yeah, I can go on the slide and I can go on the swing and I can go and do whatever on the roundabout. It's not called a roundabout, is it? Is it called a roundabout? Yeah, I think so. Okay, seesaw, whatever. I know my fairgrounds. It's like all those things that once gave you a lot of joy you've done them all like a hundred times it doesn't matter how many times you go to that same playground and how many different orders they rearrange those toys in in the playground it's like yeah i've done this i've seen this it no longer gives me the joy it did before i think that's what this game suffers from and that kind of baffles me when for instance they then say you can get a season pass to get the expansions and the unlockable content. Because I'm like, I don't know, but it's probably another god with another essence that you've got to restore. And it'll probably be more of the same puzzles. Unless they introduce new actual mechanics, new abilities, mix up the combat. I don't know what else it can offer you, really. 
Mm, no, unless you just enjoy spending time in that world so much that you're happy to do more of it. Like, I remember when we were talking about Control, you just enjoyed that game so much that you bought the expansion afterwards. Yeah, but I was disappointed by the Yeah, expansion. you were. You were. It's a long experience, and you've had enough of it by that point. Well, if you're saying that I'm... If I left it at its height, maybe I should just leave it with the... Oh, no, mate. If I were you, I would definitely at least unlock the gods and play through. I mean, I'm not just saying that so that you have to put in the same amount of time I did. I genuinely think... Because a lot of the narration is unlocked through the game. So, for instance, Mm. you'll arrive in a new area or a new specific building even. And at that point, something in your environment triggers Zeus or Prometheus to sort of chip in with their little commentary. And those are the bits that are the most enjoyable. Like, really, listening to those guys is what you're playing it for. Because mm. they're fucking great. Yeah, definitely. And that is just really satisfying. That's so much better than a piece of ambrosia at the end of a cliff is Prometheus and, and Zeus giving some dialogue about a location that you're at. Yeah, much, much better reward. I realised, by the way, at the end of the game... I said everyone had forgotten about Prometheus and he was still like strapped to the side of the mountain. Hmm. They haven't forgotten about him. What it is, is Lichieron, the brother of Phoenix, he basically betrays everyone to Typhon. Then at the end, he's kind of forgiven, hmm. he's spared. And after you've defeated Typhon, his sort of curse, I guess, is to go up the mountain and to tell a story to Prometheus. And so then that's how the game ends with Ligieron telling Prometheus, ah, like pulling up a chair and being like, I'm going to tell you a story. And Prometheus is like, no! <laughs> Cursed to hear the same story yeah, exactly. over and over again. The story that he told to distract Zeus. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. You said I have to tell you a story. What? What kind of story? Let this, the tale of Phoenix, be my redemption. My tale begins at sea. No! This is worse than the eagle. Curse you, Zeus! I did get a bad vibe from your brother, actually. He's just a bit of a cock, isn't he? Such a prick. Yeah, there's a great moment when all of the gods um, meet him and... He says, oh, don't worry, I'll take your essence, I'll take your blood, I'll go up to the mountain and I'll defeat Typhon. And they're all like, okay, yeah, fine. So then he takes their blood and does everything and disappears. And they're like, was that your brother? Phoenix's like, yeah. And one of them's like, so dashing. And the other one's like, so confident. The other one's like, so strong. And then they all just say in unison, he was awful, he was horrible, I hated him. <laughs> it's like all these things it's really good yeah because that's obviously how you felt as yeah. the player as well like oh god bloody Ligieron's coming along again what a twat yeah point of ethnicity because like I said at the beginning you're allowed to choose your character so your dialogue and voice is obviously the same presumably they've recorded male and female dialogue for the main character is this where you tell us you played as a small Indian woman or something not Indian but I had black skin yeah and was a woman and then my brother in the game was obviously a man, but also a black man. So I just wondered, what race were you, what colour skin did you have? And did your brother match that skin colour? That's really interesting. So your brother was the same ethnicity as you? Well, yeah, look visibly, yeah. That is cool. That is cool. So, no. Well, in my game it was the same, but I chose just like a, basically a blood elf type look. Uh-huh. So sort of... Sorry, that's a World of Warcraft reference. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
could just drop that in there. Like, like that's everyday speech. But yeah, I chose like, I guess what you might say is like kind of quite a cutesy, almost triangular faced mm. female character with ginger hair. Mm-hmm. I did change it a couple of times while I was playing because you can change it any time from the Hall of the Gods. You change your skin colour. You can change everything oh, from the Hall of the Gods. I suppose it's magic. Yeah, Hermes shakes you around a lot and then mm. you just emerge from this spinning chair as huh. someone different. And yeah, my sibling was also just white. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't I, like, mix it up. I definitely got that feeling when I saw it. I thought they've matched this character model based on what the player's just chosen at the start. Which is a nice touch. That's a really nice touch. Now I'm wondering, shame we didn't look this up beforehand, but I wonder if you play as a man, whether it's not your brother, but your sister. I wouldn't have thought so because Ligieron is a male character, right? Was it Ligieron? Mate, I can't remember his name, yeah. I'm just trusting you on that. Oh, I might have fucked up here, mate, because I played with English audio, but Spanish subtitles. Mindfuck. So some of the characters' names are different, and apparently it's Ligiron. Ligiron? That's basically what you're saying, right? I was saying Ligieron. Okay. But, I mean, yeah, Ligieron. Potato, potato. Well, yeah, I like that anyway. I got to customise my character, and then I met my brother, and I really felt like he was my brother. It was convincing, and it was cool that they managed to do that. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, as much as they're switching out the player's model, they can switch out an NPC's model, right? But still, good touch. I mean, to be honest, the attention to detail in this game was pretty second to none. Mm. Like, I think we referenced draw distance in the intro, and the draw distance in the game. The graphics is beautiful. Mm. There's no loading scenes except for when you're going in and out of vaults. So you can traverse the entire world. Anything you see, you can go to, or prime, or whatever. It's pretty beautiful, and it is an animated, drawn style, but it's one that has its own level of detail mm. and is, is really immersive. Yeah. Um, and the same with the music. Yeah, it's, it's just really, it's really lush, right? A really lush environment, like, beautiful to look at, like you said. Uh, I love the music. I, every time I'd switch the game on the theme music, it really goes like, like, epic, but not super original, but it got me in the mood. I thought it was set at the right time. think i have anything else to say other than heartily recommend it yeah me too heartily recommend it pixel vision heartily recommends a heartily recommend from us both that's nice i like heartily recommends yeah what's next teo what have we decided what we're playing next shit have we decided what we're playing next? more we're we just going to commit to it now live on air because we're still somewhat in discussion about the next game a live discussion you could say yeah you could well so the reason we're unsure about this is because the game in question is apex legends Mm. which as you may or may not know is now in its 10th season ergo it's been going a long time and many other gamers have been there done that got the t-shirt and left already 
and not as many are probably still picking it up. Certainly from our experience uh, the last couple of days, I wouldn't say it seems like there are lots of other new players. And as a result, our initial experience hasn't been um, enticing, let's say. We're noobs. We're complete noobs. Yeah, we're total noobs, yeah. <laughs> and neither of us are big fans of the Battle Royale format either from other games. Like, you referenced PUBG a couple of times, which I haven't played. I actually did enjoy watching it, but I haven't really played. But Fortnite, I gave a whirl a couple of times and definitely wasn't for me. And this, for me, has fell into a similar category. But because of a lot, a lot of my favourite Halo players moved to Apex when Halo just, they got bored of for reasons that I can't be bothered to go into on this pod but largely boiled down to the fact that it took so fucking long for them to release another Halo game after Halo 5. You are just going into it then. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, basically, all the top players moved to other games. Some of them went back to Call of Duty. Some of them transitioned to, in, in the case of like Ninja, he went ages ago and moved to actually via PUBG to Fortnite. And then you've got players like Snipedown who moved to Apex. And I really respect those players and they seem to, you know, think it's a great game. So I want to be able to enjoy it and I want to have those sort of multiplayer shoot-em-up co-op experiences like we used to have with Halo. I don't know we're going to get that from this game. And that's what the discussion is about because currently I, I literally use the word miserable to describe how I was feeling about playing it. Well, I mean, this has just convinced me now. With that prelude, how can we not do that? We'll, have, we'll definitely have enough to say. Even if we don't enjoy it or play it for that long, I think we'll have enough to say. At the very least, as a beginner perspective, from two people that love playing online first-person shooters, of one which is really popular now. So I think let's just go for it. Let's do it next. All right. Well, apologies in advance if it turns out to be unpleasant audio. And if you play Apex Legend and are good at it, if we sound like complete noobs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would say... If you play Apex Legends and want to help out some noobs, send us a message mm. and uh, help us through it. But the reality is we'll probably have done with the game and be recording the next podcast by the time you hear this. Because I'm just so ahead of my game. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to the editing and stuff. Are you? <laughs> Another story. Okay. See you later. This is weird because now we're in the same room. So it's like, should we disconnect? Should, should we, we do like stop? three, two, one, and then press space bar? Oh, wait, no, let's just do three, two, one, and then stop. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Got on, got something I've been meaning to tell you. What? <laughs> Seriously, this, you're going to like this. Huh. Okay. Uh, let me just find it, because I haven't got it to hand. Uh, what could it possibly be? Why don't you come up with some ideas for what it might be? Um, Like an embarrassing photo of me? No, nothing like that. You're making it about you. It's oh. not about you. Right. Here it is. Okay. One of the things I was thinking, so we've, we've introduced some features. We've got, you know, Teo with his Teo monologue. We've got the banalogy. Um, we've got housekeeping. <laughs> God, these are like such mundane features. Quirky little housekeeping. We've got the, the intro, unscripted. We have got the intro. We've got the coder. Um, What's that? 
You say this every time I reference a coda. So in a piece of music, the coda is the bit that gets tagged on the end. Oh. And I use that to describe the audio that comes after the podcast is finished, oh. after the sort of ending music. But then you get that sort of like, almost like you get a stinger in the credits of a film, mm. is how I think of it. Mm. Um, hopefully our listeners have been noticing that and enjoying them. If not, go back every episode, <laughs> listen to the end. Yeah, nice or listen great. to the whole episode again because there's so many layers to these episodes. <laughs> uh, but yeah so what i thought is we've got quite a few features but we haven't got any jingles <gasps> you've made a jingle i, I love haven't, jingles. i haven't made a jingle oh. i haven't made a jingle but i've got an idea for a jingle that i wanted to run past you okay all right. Jingle me. This. Jingle me. That. A jingle and a jangle and a ra-da-da-ta. Sound effect. Ooh. Sound effect. Ah. Play it on the piano or on the guitar. Oh, good. That's good, man. <laughs>